Welcome to TV Community. I am Bob Demena, and here with me, as always, is the incredibly, very, very sensible Elliot Chibley. Thanks, Bob. Our guest today is Ray Blackney. He is probably like every other award-winning Filipino-American entrepreneur who grew up in Turkey and lives in Mexico that you know, and that is <laughs> in his own words. Uh, Ray specializes in bootstrapping six- and seven-figure location-independent online businesses, and yes, Neither Bob nor myself knew what bootstrapping meant. We learned what that is in the episode. And he basically gives great motivation, great advice on how you can get to a position he's in, or maybe not quite to that extent, but at least how to make some money while you're being location independent. And basically how to live abroad too. It's it's a really great conversation. And quick travel tip of the week is bring a charging strip to the airport. You will make friends and you will always have enough juice to charge your devices, whether it's your iPhone, your Android, your iPad, your Kindle, your laptop, whatever it is, you'll make friends doing it. If you like us and you find this podcast entertaining, please consider giving us a five-star review on iTunes. However, if you love us, then we would be forever grateful if you could subscribe and share and comment because that's what the algorithm wants. And you got to give the algorithm <laughs> what it wants to get ahead in this world. So uh, we, we would we would really appreciate it. And of course, uh, you can engage with us. If you want to talk with us, comment on either Facebook or Instagram. We're on those sites. And if you ever have anything to say about, it, uh, you know, Elliot's hair or, or something dumb that we said yes. or, you know, you hate us and you want to critique us, that's probably the best place to make your opinion known. So we, we appreciate it and look into that uh, if you do want to support the show. Um, and so we have a few things in the works that you can purchase through us that we've developed over the years that we're going to have a travel journal planner that's essentially going to help you plan your trip in paper form. You could do it, you could print it out and write it out, or you can do it online. We're really, really looking forward to that because it's essentially the first piece of uh, first product we have that can really tie everything in that we've been preaching over the years for you to actually do it on your own. We also have the video tutorial that we've been talking about for a few weeks now that we have. You can buy that. That's a five-part series. You can get learn everything from the navigation of a city to booking airfare to understanding safety and local norms. Together, the journal and the, the videograms, they're kind of made to go together, so that's probably ideal. But, you know, try try something out. And if you have questions on any of them, let us know. We would be we would be happy to help you with that. Uh, other than that, you know, we have we have Keschler, who is our Philadelphia tour guide. You can book tours with him if you're in our area, the Philadelphia area. Really great guy. He's been on the podcast a few times now. We did one specifically on Philly that you can go and check out. And if you are a guide uh, or some you know someone involved in the travel community, you can join us for a travel roundtable episode. We do these six part travel roundtable podcasts where we have a conversation about just something in the travel industry with people tied to that specific topic. They've been a blast. Every single one of them has been fun. There's just something about having that many people and that many opinions so simultaneously. Much, so much knowledge too. Yeah, and they they've been they've been great. So if you want to join one of those, you can email us and we'll we'll get you on the list to get those uh, to get you on. So that's it for me. Uh, without further introduction, please give it up for our next guest, Ray. Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. Start designing your next adventure. 
Ray. Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint Podcast. Thanks for having me on, guys. We are excited to talk to you today. You are kind of a serial entrepreneur, if I were to put it in the terms, and you have done a few things in your life, and right now you're focusing on online businesses, and the term you use is six to seven figure bootstrapping, and I don't know what that means, so I assume we're going to talk about it today. Whatever you guys want. So quick definition of six to seven figure bootstrapping means with an investment of less than $100, I build up businesses that generate six and seven figures of gross income every single year. I officially last year, I moved into the multi-seven figure. So last year, one of my businesses went into the multi-seven figure range, and but none of my businesses took more than $100 in startup capital. So I don't take money. I don't take bank loans, and I don't take money from family or venture capitalists to build my businesses. Okay. That's a very top, but very popular topic right now is basically making a side hustle with little money into something that's an, a business that can provide food on the table and shelter, really. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we've been lucky that we've been able to do it. But the difference is I don't do it as a side hustle. I kind of quit my job and I went all in. Yes. Um, and now I've been doing it full time for about 12 years, Ooh, 13 years. Now I feel old. So I've been doing <laughs> this for about 13 years now. Um, I've been... and. In, in addition to that, I make sure my businesses are location independent, which means I can run them from anywhere in the world. I have about 150 staff and all of them are the same. They can work for me from anywhere they want in the world. And they do under normal circumstances. They travel quite a bit. Now, how many businesses are you currently managing at the moment? I have three primary businesses that I'm running right now, but I have about seven or other little websites that generate a few hundred dollars each per month. And I just kind of keep them going because I haven't had time to dedicate to build them up. Yet, I might get to them in the future, but some of them have been there for seven or eight years and I haven't gotten to them yet. So who knows when that'll actually happen. All right. Well, I think I think today's topic is really going to revolve around your ability to grow these into something that not it's not passive income by any means, but it is it's active income that you can do anywhere, which is very important to travel. That's exactly it. You can do it wherever you want to be. Mm -hmm. Well, so yeah. the way I like to put it is uh, my wife and I slow travel. So we're not, you know, I remember back in the day I was in corporate, right? So you get those 10 days of vacation days every year and you get to say thank you, you know, at the end of the year for your two weeks of vacation. Yeah. And I remember those kind of vacations, right? Where you're going to this country you maybe have never been to before, let's say Italy. Two weeks in Italy, you won't even scratch the surface. So I mean, like close. every single day you're like hitting this new spot. You're trying to see something. Then you get back from the vacations. And you are so exhausted that, you know, you need another week of vacations just to recover, right? Yes. So these businesses are built around the idea of being able to go somewhere for, like we travel for six, six weeks to three, to three months with my wife before our child was born. We plan on doing it again as soon as we can get him his passport is all the embassies are closed. Um, and you really get to know the culture, but the way you mix it is, you know, you might do some work in the morning, then you go and see a site in the afternoon. Or you might work for two or three days, then on the weekend, you're already in the country, right? So you can go and see some, you know, a show or something like that. And you really get to learn the culture. We always try to learn a little of the language while we're there. That's the way we've been traveling now. So it's not just work hard and then go and travel for two weeks like back in corporate days. Yeah. Work hard, play hard. Now it's kind of like work and play at the same time. That's it. That's exactly yeah. right. That is my preferred method of travel. I almost never get to do it. I'm not quite at that point. And I know, Bob, you have never been there, but you're interested in getting there. And I mean, Bob, Bob has made his travel type so detailed to cram as much in as possible. 
that he is we've talked about this on probably 50 percent of our episodes that (laughs) he is down to the 15 minute increment in his itineraries and yeah and that is exactly like you mentioned to it's it's a product of the two-week american vacation uh, Uh that we're afforded and it's either the way the way I look at it, you either have two options: you pick one city and you dive into it deeply for two weeks, or you you plan it down to the the fifteen minute increment and you see as much as you can in that two week time frame. Uh, it just depends on what you want to do, but yeah, it, it's it's I I would love to get to a point to be a true digital nomad, and to me, the the de- describing your travel as slow travel and being able to essentially work during the day. And then already be in that location by the evening and enjoy a dinner in Rome. Uh, that's the, to me, that's the, that's the definition of being a digital nomad that I tend to gravitate mm-hmm. towards. Not the backpacking type or the cafe. The location independent. The, yeah. So that's yeah, it's more location. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. That's the word I use to distinguish it as well, Elliot. I call it myself location independent, not a digital nomad. Mm-hmm. It's my own, like you said, my own personal definition, but I see digital nomads and I have a lot of friends who do it. Three months here, three months there, three months all over the place. That might have been better when I was in my 20s. Yeah. Uh, in the 30s, you can do 50-50, and I recently entered my 40s, and I'm like, yeah, no. Uh, you know, especially if you have, <laughs> you've got kids, which I, you know, you guys do. It's Your life changes at that point, right? You're not about just going out. I mean, you know, I don't care if there are nightclubs, great nightclubs in the city. It's not, I'm not going to that city for that anymore. Um, so it changes the way you look at travel. And we can't we can't recover as quickly as we used to. I, I joke about, you know, in my 20s, I was in a fraternity in college, right? You'd get drunk Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night, and you'd go and study on Monday, right? No problem. Yeah, yep. if I did <laughs> one night of that now, it'd take me like a month to recover, and I'd just like lose the whole month before I could actually go out again. So, yeah, yeah it's not, not for me. Right. Yep. Yeah. And so what I want to I, I do with this conversation is really – form maybe like a blueprint, something along those lines for listeners who are interested in this lifestyle, who may still be in their early 20s or maybe want a career change on how they can essentially maybe follow in your footsteps with, with I guess, starting with the mindset on how to develop the the path to location sure. independence or being a digital nomad. Sure. Um, yeah. For the business side, I could definitely, I'd, I'd be happy to share my methodology for doing it. I've done it multiple times now. Um, I didn't actually realize I had a methodology until enough people started asking me about it. And I had to sit down and actually like, actually, you know, I actually do have a system for this. The mindset for me is a little harder to share simply because I grew up traveling. Um, You know, we talked about this a little bit before the interview, but I was born in the Philippines, grew up in Istanbul, Turkey. My dad's from the United States, but he grew up in Africa. I live in Mexico now because my wife's Mexican. Um, so, you know, this kind of travel thing has always been part of me. You know, the time I felt weird was when I was in the U S and I was working a corporate job, right? That somehow felt weird to me. And I know a lot of people might not be able to relate to that, right? Because maybe they grew up and they're kind of living in the same area that they always have. But what I'd like to share then is a quote that changed my life. It's, I know people hear it a lot. I'm not very much into the new age kind of Hey, listen, you know, tell yourself you're a great person. You will be kind of thing. But for some reason, there was this commercial on TV when I was 26 or 27 in the United States. I was working a corporate job, right? So computer, I'm a computer engineer, making a good salary, you know, I had a condo downtown, living the quote unquote American dream. Mm-hmm. But there was a quote on TV for the U.S. Navy. 
And I remember the one part where they used this quote distinctly and had these Navy SEALs pulling up at night on this beach, onto the beach, right? Kind of. And then on top, a quote appears that says, if they were to write a book about your life, would anybody want to read it? Mm. I don't remember the rest of the commercial. Just that scene was stuck in my head. Now, my respects to those in the armed services. My uncle was in the Air Force. But if somebody is shooting at me, I'm running the other way as physically fast as physically possible. So that <laughs> wasn't something that worked for me. But I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, yeah, this life I'm living right now, no. You know, I sit in a cube every day running code. Best I can hope for is I get a corner office where I manage other people who write code. And if I wrote a book about that, I wouldn't read it, right? I mean, you know, so that got me thinking, I'm like, I need to change my life. So, and make it something worth living. We only have one life to live. So that yeah. would be the inspiration I'd give to your listeners. It might not resonate for everybody, but for some people, I think it might. So think to yourself, is the life I'm living right now something I'd want to read about or other people would want to read about? If your answer is no, that might be a good sign that you should make a change. And one of those changes might be starting a side hustle and, you know, moving yourself into either this, the location independent lifestyle, let's not use digital nomad, the location independent lifestyle, because who knows your best life might not be where you are now. It might be, you know, on a beach in Mauritius. I mean, you know, that who oh. knows, but you're never going to know until you go there. And yeah. this could give you the opportunity to do so. And I think one of the important aspects of this is trying out the location independent lifestyle. It's not, it's not a game of no return. You can oh, come back to what you're doing. <laughs> absolutely. And the methodology I use, there's one step in there. And, you know, we'll, we'll get started in a second on what it is, where it requires you to move to another country um, just to kind of jumpstart um, after a certain phase. And I tell people, if it doesn't work, you move back. If it does work, you can still move back, um, you know, but you can move back in a very different place than you were when you left. Yeah. So whenever you guys are ready, I can kind of go through the methodology. I, I preach about it. I haven't come up with any kind of cool acronym for it yet. So I apologize. Well, let, not like we'll, a four letter we'll you know, word to describe it. Exactly. Exactly. I, I haven't written a book. I, you know, none of that kind of thing. So the basic thing is, okay, first off, you need to start with your side hustle. I usually recommend for anybody who's going to be trying this lifestyle, start your side hustle in your skill set just to see if it works out. So don't try it in hey, I'd like to do graphic design if you've never done graphic design before, right? So using your skill set, first step to move into is consulting. Um, easiest one for you guys to get into. So whatever, you already have the skill set, you go online, you bill more than you would at your regular job. You can use even existing sites like Upwork in order to see if anybody will hire you for what you are trying to do. So you start doing that and let's say it works and you get up to a point where you're making about $1,000 extra a month, right? Not bad. I mean, nobody will complain for $1,000 extra a month. No. If you're lucky and you're making an extra $2,000 a month, you're even better off. The next step is the step that I was telling you about that is the scariest step, but it also is not a step that you can't come back from. $1,000 a month. You guys are thinking, hey, I live in the US, $1,000 a month. That's below the poverty line. I can't live. But we're talking about travel here. Mm -hmm. $1,000 a month in most parts of the world will make you middle upper class. Mm -hmm. So if you're willing to make that step in the places I usually recommend, if you know, if you're from the US is moving to Latin America, I'm in Mexico now, but you can choose Colombia, you can choose Chile, Argentina, $1,000 a month will make you the top 20% of the income in those countries. You will have a maid that cleans your house and you will probably live in a comfortable house in a gated community for $1,000 a month. Or you can go to the beach, which is a little more expensive, but you have a view of the beach every day for $1,000 a month. And remember, food's cheaper, you're still going to have a maid. So that's step two in the process. Move overseas. So you move there for $1,000 a month. 
Now, because the, uh, the excuse was I can't grow my business and my side hustle because I have a full-time job, right? I'm working 40 hours and this is like 10 hours I'm doing on the side every week. Suddenly that's gone. Your 10 hours a week is now making more than enough for you to live. Even if you have a family, you could probably, you could support them here. There are American schools in Mexico with American teachers from U.S. universities. So, you're, you know, you're not getting anything up. And now you can spend 40 hours a week, 50 hours a week on that side hustle that you couldn't get off the ground much because you were had the full-time job to hold down. What about medical insurance? What about – it's much cheaper down here. Yeah. Much cheaper down here. In I, most I other parts of the world. In almost every part of the world. There's a reason why people drive across the border when they're on the, you know, the southern part of the United States to get their medicine down here. It's called medical tourism. That's exactly it. You, you know, I got a root canal. It cost me like 300 bucks. My copay in the U.S. was more than that uh, down here in Mexico, right? So don't worry about that. There is – in Mexico, I can't speak for other Latin American countries. There's a mix between socialized medicine. So you will never be without a doctor. So even if you have nothing, you can't pay. You can go to a public hospital even if you're American on a tourist visa and they will they will treat you. Or if you can pay a little bit of money, you can go to a private hospital. And my doctor went to Tufts University in the United States. So Yeah. And I think, I think there's a stigma associated with medicine in other countries and that – because it's more expensive in the United States, it's better. And that is not always the case at all. Exactly. And a lot of the times you're going to the hospital are not for your brain surgery. You're going for a cold. You're going for a minor fracture or at the, at the worst. Mm-hmm. And that is all taken care of. And it's all easy to take care of. That's exactly right. So the, the worst story I know, of, we used to own a chain of language schools in Mexico. And we had this girl from, I'm going to say Sweden, one of those countries up there. I can't remember exactly where she was. And her appendix burst while she was with us, right? She knew what to do. She wasn't panicked because apparently it was genetic and like everybody in her family had it happen at some point. She's like, no, nah, I, I mean, it hurts a lot, but don't worry. They have this, like a genetic curve in their appendix or something like that that huh. causes it. So we took her to the hospital. She did it. This was actually my first experience with an emergency in Mexico. I'd been here about three years at the point at that point. And, you know, okay, so the surgeon comes and he's, you know, spoke fluent English. He's like, don't worry, I went to medical school in the United States. And he's like, oh, awesome. <laughs> and then there's no problem. So we talked to him. His whole team was there. They kept her in the hospital for four days. She got released. You know, like she had, a, she had a, a scar that was about two centimeters long on her waist. And she was even showing it off the next day. She's like, look, look, <laughs> you know, take a look at that. And we're like, how much was that? And she's like, 700 bucks. I paid $700 out of my own pocket for a team of surgeons, three days in the hospital with all the food included, and I paid $700 for the that's, entire that's thing. half an ambulance ride. That's it. That's it. You know the prices in the U.S., but that's my point. If, don't worry about medical insurance on other things. You can get great quality um, medicine. Do a little preparation if you want, because like anywhere in the world, they're good doctors or bad doctors. So if, before you move down, go on a Facebook group for the city you can move in. It's like, hey, can you guys recommend a good doctor? Mm-hmm. Every all of them will speak English. I mean, that's not an issue. If, you know, if that's that's where you're worried about. Find that before you come down, so you have peace of mind. You might never need them. I've been here 12 years. I've never been anything in but for a routine checkup. I've never, you know, I've never actually been to the hospital. So anyway, going back to on topic, that's <laughs> yes. step number two, right? Moving down to a, a cheaper country, you suddenly went from working side hustle to your full time job. If you could work on a side hustle and make a thousand dollars a month, I guarantee full time that'll make you five thousand. Guarantee. Right. Because suddenly you're spending four or five times more energy on that. And it's again, side hustle. It says it's its name. It's like it's on the side of your mind. Right. It's not the full what you're focused on every day. You're focused on your family. You're focused on your work and you're still able to generate a thousand dollars a month from it. You'll easily be able to bring that up. Five thousand, maybe more. Ten thousand, twenty thousand. Right. Or if Um, you don't want to work that much and you're satisfied with three. (laughs) 
That's absolutely it. Enjoy sitting on the beach, working 10 hours, a day, you know, 10 hours a week and sitting on the beach. I mean, you know, that's another possibility. There's no right and wrong answer here. Mm-hmm. You need to figure out why you're doing it and kind of work towards that goal. So if you're happy, with the, you know, $3,000 and you're in Mexico and you're doing that, you're great. Um, if you want to build it up to the next level, once you get up to the 5000 as a side hustle, the next step, of course, is the hiring. So you need to bring on some people to your team and move from the whole, I only make money if I work as a consultant thing. To I have a business that keeps making money, even if I take three months off and travel around the world, right? So to build it up to that, the next step is hiring. And I have three steps in hiring. First one is hire in Southeast Asia for the administrative jobs. $500 to $750 will get you a full-time person. I am biased towards the Philippines because I understand the culture. That's where I'm from. But you can also get people in India. 160 hours, they'll work U.S. hours. Generally, those are good for customer support kind of jobs. This is not kind of the high level stuff, but that'll kind of get that off your plate. Usually it's very time consuming, scheduling, all the rest. You hire that. Next level you move up to is hiring expats. So for example, we were talking about $3,000. Hire you or hire somebody like you, right? Because for example, if you were trying to hire, you know, Elliot or Bob, if one of you guys in the United States and I'm like, I'll pay you $2,500 a month, you'd be like, what? No. (laughs) You know, I'm like, no, I'm not going to work for that. But if you were living on the beach in Mexico and I'm like, I will pay you more than most Mexican engineers make. You'd be like, yeah, (laughs) I'm like, exactly. And you can work when you want and I give you flexible, pretty flexible hours. Absolutely. That's what you hire those people, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, a lot of my staff, my middle management staff is at that level. There are people who are usually married to locals. So they're married to Mexicans. They're married to people in Argentina. They're not moving. They're never going to get a job that pays this well in their own country. You know, local Mexican jobs will not pay $2,500 a month. Google engineers don't make that. So you pay $2,500 a month, but you're getting people masters and PhDs who just happen to be in Mexico. Maybe they've worked 10, 20 years in the US or the UK. My operations manager, extra. That, that's it. And you say, oh, you can work at home, spend time with your family, take your lunch off, take your kids to school. I mean, it's an online job. I don't really care what time you work. I just need you to get the job done. They'll jump on. You'll get more great applicants than you know what to do with. Uh, and that's the next level of growth. The third level of growth is for like the high C-suite level people. Then you might want to hire people who are actually experienced back in the U.S. or the U.K. or wherever you're from. But at that point, your business should be in the seven-figure range. Um, so you can afford to do so. Um, and once you get the C-suite, the idea is, yeah, the business kind of runs itself. I only spend about two hours a week on my Um That's the business that went into multi-seven last year. And I spend two or three hours a week on just the running of it. I, have, I, I work more on the growth and all the rest of it. But if I left for two or three months, nothing would happen. Hmm. If I left for a year, probably nothing would happen. So, so let me ask. <laughs> let's put a hypothetical out there. So I am, I am currently in a consulting position with my job. And I am considered an employee and not contracted. But I am looking to make a change. I have a house looking to start a family. And I'm not sure I want to sell the house in case I want to come back, but maybe rent it out or do something to that effect for a few months, pick a location in either Latin America or the Southeast or Southeast Asia, like the Philippines, like Vietnam or Laos, and then try it out for a few months. Or I guess it, before I even go, I should probably create an account on Upwork and see if I can actually get work. 
I'm laughing because you're like the hypothetical has become an I pretty quickly in your conversation, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, it's if it became first hypothetical. person about halfway through. <laughs> exactly. Um, yes. So yeah, create an account on Upwork. There's two reasons to do that. The first one is it really is a great way to try your message out, right? Because a lot of poor people, the first thing they do is create a website. They spend all that time designing it without really knowing if their product is what they're offering is really what people want. So by creating a profile on Upwork, you can just kind of fine tune it every day. You kind of find some job posts and you keep on, you know, you pitch to them. You try to go on there and after you've done, you know, 10, 20, 30 small contracts or even medium sized contracts, you'll have a pretty good idea of what most of the demand is, right? You're like half of those people wanted this, right? This is what these people were looking for. So you drop those other 15, right? Those the other kind of little pieces of work. You focus in on that and try to become the go-to guy for whatever that is, right? Those 15 people could not find somebody. That's why they went on Upwork. And 15 of them found you. So all you, how many, you know, full kind of, not full-time, but, you know, retainer clients do you need? Let's say your retainer is $500 a month. How many retainer clients would you really need? You've got 15 basic ones there. Get five of them stay on, 10 of them stay on. You're already at the 2,500, yeah. 5,000 range um, at that point. And they're retainer. So they're paying every month. If you lose one, you can get one back. But, you, you know, you kind of build yourself up as the specialist in this area, um, whatever that specific area is. So always start with a niche. Don't try to do everything. Just try to do that small little niche. Hmm. Okay. And what are your recommendations on if you currently have a house? You're not just renting, but you're, you mm -hmm. currently own and are paying mortgages. Yeah. So generally speaking, we're recording this in 2021. Um, hopefully you've refinanced. You got it low or your interest rate was refinanced recently to one of the low rates. But you're playing around about 2.53% on your interest rate if you've got like a 30-year standard loan there. Generally speaking right now, not specifically right now because with COVID and the whole rental and all that kind of stuff, but let's say within a year when things are starting to go normal, you should be able to rent it out at least for a little over your rent. Now, it's not going to be a profit-generating income, but a little over your mortgage, sorry. Yeah. But at least to kind of cover your, your mortgage probably with like an extra 10% on top just in case you need to fix anything in the house that they broke while you're there. It's not going to generate money. Where your money coming from in the house, obviously, is the appreciation. If the house value went up 2%, 3%, if you're lucky, 5 or 6%, that's where your money is going to come in. But that's kind of a long game. Your idea right now is I just don't want to have an extra expense. Yeah. I'm breaking it even. Zero, somebody's taking care of the house while I'm there. Then you move overseas, as you say. You know, then you can go. Um, if you're only doing the two or three month thing, one thing I would recommend is go on one of those house exchange websites. That might mm -hmm. be an easier way for you to get around business. You can't really rent out for three months. I mean, you can do Airbnb, but yeah. you can't really rent out long-term for three months. Nobody does that. But if you go on one of those home exchange places, people are looking, hey, I want to, you know, go to the U.S. for three months. And I have a house in Bali or I have a house in, you know, South Africa and Johannesburg. You guys interested? Like, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, just if it's a place that you said Vietnam, I'm sure there's places in Vietnam, right? They just want to come back. to the, Maybe people are, are from your area. They just want to spend time with their grandkids. And they have this beautiful house down in Vietnam that they spend most of the year at. And you guys just do a three-month three house exchange. That would be what I kind of recommend to get your feet wet. Okay. Yeah, we, has tons of them. we had a really great conversation with... Um, the house that Diva? Is that yeah. Right Kelly, Kelly, uh, Kelly. Raised. Kelly. Really raised height. Hayes Wright. Yes, yes, there yes, we yes. go. <laughs> and she, she, had, she is a huge proponent of these house sitting programs mm -hmm. especially for even if it's just a week to several months and she spends i think three or four months every winter in mexico i 
think I might have actually met her uh, it's, at a conference once. She sounds very familiar, and I think she spends it in San Miguel and Guanajuato. Um, she spends a lot of time in those two cities, which are only like 30 minutes away from me, where okay. I live here. So, yeah, she where, sounds where very located? familiar. I'm in a city called Querétaro, Mexico. It's about 45 minutes from San Miguel de Allende, which is kind of a very well-known kind of expat community in Mexico, okay. about two hours north of Mexico City. Okay. City, it's not small. It's about 2 million people, but it's got the downtown is like 450 years old, aqueducts. You know, we have Otomi pyramids, you know, nice. churches everywhere, fireworks. It look, feels like a small town in downtown, but we have yeah. a Costco. I had breakfast from IHOPs this morning. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm not really <laughs> nice. suffering too much. So, yeah. <laughs> So, all right, so where were we in this process? So you've now moved to the new country. Yep, and you've done the hiring. So remember the hiring, start in Southeast Asia, move your way up to expats. Generally, I just kind of stick around there. But if you really want to take it to the next level for sea level, again, you're at, you're at seven figures by then. Then you look to hire in the U.S. You can work with headhunters and all the rest of it. But that's kind of the, the high level of your business. Dude, did we answer Elliot's question completely? I think so. I think okay. so. We, I think we determined that if you're looking to do a two to three month stint, look for a house exchange, either yeah, through cool. House Adiva or other house sharing programs. If you're looking to do longer after that, once you've established that you like it, then look at renting out your current house. If you're not, mm -hmm. if you're not an owner, then just end your lease and then find a new place when you come back. <clears throat> Yeah, that's a lot. Easier. I mean, if you're not an owner, you have, it's a lot easier, right? Because you just yeah. do that. You sell your stuff. When I quit my job in the U.S., I so I joined the Peace Corps, right, to go overseas, kind of, which you can't do if you have a family. But, you know, um, actually, if you don't have kids, you can. You couples join the Peace Corps all the time. It's mm -hmm. just they don't take kids. Um, and I, it's supposed to take you two years to get in. It took me 12 weeks. Wow. From the day I applied to the day I left. Um, so yeah, I That's had to fast. sell all my, yeah, I was not prepared for that at all. I had to sell my car, my condo and all my earthly possessions in about a three week period. Um, wow. that was a bit of a rush while we were there, but I mentioned that because it can be done. So if you're worried about how am I going to do that? You absolutely can just go on Craigslist and you'll sell stuff faster than you think. Oh uh, yeah. Craigslist, Facebook marketplace. There's plenty of there you go. ways to there sell you. stuff now. I'm dating myself because back, back in my day, when I did that 12 years ago, there was no Facebook marketplace to, to do <laughs> it. It was only Craigslist. Yeah. All right. So, okay. You're at the hiring phase. You now have a, a base of employees. Mm -hmm. Where do you go from there? There's only one final step after that. And again, it depends on your goal. Remember, each one of these things is depending on your goal. If a lot of people, their business becomes who they are. So they like being involved in their business. For me, business is kind of the creation of a business is the fashion. But I would create a business to sell donkeys if I thought it was a good business and they treated the donkeys humanely. Um, so me, for me, it's the kind of the creative part is the business itself. So I'm not, I don't get emotionally attached. My next step, so step number four, is work on processes to pull yourself out of the day-to-day -day operations of the businesses. Mm -hmm. You've built the team. They can run it. Um, if you're missing anybody, you hire new people, but you make sure the processes are in place so the business is run like you would like it to be run. You will never, until you sell the business, you're never going to be totally separated. For example, you have to meet with your CEO and your C-suite maybe for an hour every week or maybe you can work it for an afternoon every month just so you kind of you make sure the business is kind of moving in the, in the direction that you want. But that is kind of the level you want to get to with most businesses, right? I spend an hour, two hours, I'm, I have a seven-figure business and I, you know, maybe I don't make millions of dollars a year, but let's say you make, a few hundred, you make a few hundred thousand and... If you're living in Mexico and well, even in the U.S., that's pretty decent. But if you're living in Mexico or Bali or, you know, most places in Europe outside of like the U.K. and maybe France, 
you're doing better than most of the locals are by a long shot. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of the level I know how to get to. If you're looking to build the next Facebook, I can't help you. I mean, that's that, that's past my level. <laughs> and enough to be more than comfortable and Absolutely. not be a king. That, well, there's actually a or lot queen. of benefits to living overseas as well. For example, if you live in Mexico, they have a no, non-double taxation thing. So you don't actually hey. have to pay that. You, first 110000 you don't have to pay taxes in Mexico of income you pay yourself. Uh, $110,000, you don't pay taxes. So... Wait, you don't pay any there. taxes on up to one hundred and ten thousand dollars. You, you, one hundred and nine, I think. But yes, um, on your salary, because well, there's a reason for it. It's because technically you're paying taxes in the country you live in. Mm -hmm. Truth is, nobody pays taxes in Latin America. So, you, but it's, you're not you're, you're not avoiding. It's totally legal. It's totally. I mean, it's the way. Your accountant can do it for you. You register with the IRS. It's just a deduction that you do as long as you spend at least six months in one day outside of the United States um, because you're not a resident of the United States at that point. Okay. Mm. See, and this is this is an important conversation that we had. We spoke with that teaching around table or teaching mm -hmm. abroad around table, and we brought up the taxation question. And granted, most of the panelists were, were doing... We had, I think, three Americans in one Scott and Scots, of, it's very different for the Scots yes, <laughs> Again, it very is for different. Americans. Yeah. And, and the, the medical is also very different. And so mm -hmm. they all, they all kind of were under the impression that, um, for the longest time they were at, you know, dependents under their parents and none of them were able to really answer the question because it hasn't really come up that much. But I think this is a, you would be a great resource because it seems like there are a lot of a lot of ways to keep your money. Absolutely. Um, so one of the big benefits, especially is I don't pay any state taxes because I'm not a resident of any state in the United States. I still have to pay federal taxes, of course, right? Because it's there. That's on a personal level. For your businesses, on the other hand, since you are not physically, you can't, technically it's not allowed in the United States for if you live in Massachusetts, where I'm from, to open up a company in Delaware if I spend most of the year in Massachusetts. That, you know, people do it, people get away with it. But technically speaking, letter of the law, the IRS can crack down on you hmm. if you're doing that, right? Um, but if you live overseas, you can do it wherever you want in the U.S. because you're not a resident in the United States. So you can start your company in tech, you know, text, you can register. Go to LegalZoom.com and register your LLC, you know, your LLC in Texas, Delaware, Las Vegas, whatever it is, and go to those lower tax areas without you physically having to be there. You can do that by living overseas. Again, as soon as you move back to the U.S., that's gray area again yeah. because you're a resident somewhere else. But you can save that way. So last last March, I think it was, I did a three-day seminar. And I, I bring this up because I think they have – they're a real estate company and they teach real estate. But the real business they're in is systems management mm -hmm. because th what they have done – and I don't know if you're familiar with fortune builders. No, but they're – uh, they're basically a company designed around helping you as an individual and giving you the education to create your own real estate company mm -hmm. and basically become financially independent from a normal job. But their, their learning and their education systems are really, really refined. And it's the same for every single person. And they have all of the systems in place that anybody can go in from any part of the country and do it. 
for different aspects of real estate mm -hmm. from the legal side to the taxes to the estimating rehab to the analyzing of deals and so to me i'm i that, that's not even a real estate business that's understanding how people learn and making it a process absolutely for online businesses there are plenty of courses out there not you know they're varying quality as well right but if you're looking to another business i'm, I'm launching actually this month is uh i'm launching an e-commerce store because I'm trying my hand in e-commerce. And so I'm starting a toilet store, oddly enough. Uh, this right. business I started by accident. So this was not like, not like you know, we mentioned podcast talk, the SaaS product I'm launching. That was on purpose. That was planned. My toilet store is totally an accident that I'm launching that uh, next week, probably from the time we're recording <laughs> it. It should go live there. The reason I bring it up is since I knew nothing about e-commerce, I took an e-commerce course in order to do it. There are courses for everything. I mean, I know online business, so there were certain parts like advertising and registration and all that that were I kind of skipped over. But there's specific parts that I need. Good one, good courses might put you at a thousand dollars, but hey, if it saves you ten thousand dollars in mistakes on the way there, mm -hmm. it's worth your time. And right. it's exactly like you said, Elliot. Most of those courses are teaching you the systems. That's it. Mm -hmm. It's just somebody or somebody's a group of people who've done it over and over and over again. They refine it and they're like, here you go. I'll teach it to you. Now, the good yeah. ones are worth a lot of money. I mean, you'll pay $5,000, $10,000 for these things, but that's because they spent millions and millions of dollars figuring this stuff out. And that's what you're paying for, kind yeah. of the shortcut. The R&D. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. I like this. I, I feel like it, <laughs> it's definitely possible. It's something that we've always talked about. Um, and I, my wife and I go back and forth every once in a while and toy around with the idea of living abroad and where we'll be. And we always go from Spain to Costa Rica and maybe the Philippines. Um, but I think it always comes down, not the Philippines. Not the Philippines. I'm sorry to all my Filipinos <laughs> out there. Time zone difference, uh, electricity goes out and internet is probably one of the worst mm. in Southeast Asia. Mm. So Good to know. So Spain, Costa Rica. Yeah. Right. Food in Spain. I'm not a big fan of Spanish. Oh, I shouldn't say that to anybody in Spanish. But the Spanish food, I wasn't super impressed with. Uh, mm. Costa Rican food either. So, yeah, I guess. Oh, Don't man. go there I for love, the food, but I love wonderful countries. <laughs> yeah, wonderful countries. I, I like them both. But, yeah, the food. So, the thing we always come back to, though, is wanting to stay around for family. So, that's, I think that's the hardest part in the decision-making process for mm -hmm. us. Otherwise, I mean, we've even talked about New Zealand now, too. But New Zealand's definitely a little higher end in terms of cost it of living is. but they have some cool visas though they're, they're trying to get more people to move to the country because their population is kind of really really low and they're trying to get more people in there so there oh. there's a lot of cool things about the visas um my wife and i are actually you know looking for countries just to throw it out there my wife and i are looking to move into taiwan in about a year or two um they just in 2018 they came up with something called the golden visa or something like that and look it up online if you can prove you make five thousand dollars a month they give you a five-year visa for you and your family to live there. Um, wow. And cost of living is apparently about Mexico level. We saw, you know, I, really? and yeah, I was surprised too. I was like, because I've been to Hong Kong and that was yeah. not Mexico level. Uh, that was like super expensive, right? Okay. But the reason we're doing it is because we want our son to grow up trilingual English, Spanish, and Mandarin as a native speaker. Mm. Because, you know, having the that. Trifecta. Exactly. I'm yeah. like 60% of the world population he can speak to. And yep. after that, whatever he chooses to do with the rest of his life, we kind of. I think we're giving them a good leg up yeah. on everything that's there, right? So that, that was kind of, that's kind of our logic. So I definitely relate. The thing about family, one of the things to keep in mind, again, you do it at a, you test it. 
first to see how you feel. But in today's world, let's say I grew up in Turkey, right? I would talk to my grandparents once every three months because it would cost $50 for like a 30 minute call, right? So we would, we like, my parents would say, plan your call, to, you know, plan what you're going to say to them because we only have this much time and it's going to cost us $50 to $100 for this call and we don't really have much time. So we had to do that. That's gone, right? You can get on Zoom. I talk. Yeah. It's happening during COVID. My son was born in January. We haven't been able to get him his US passport yet because the embassy closed in February. And so we haven't even been able to go there and say, hey, I have a son. Um, and they haven't opened up. Maybe they closed in March, I guess. They closed like a week before we were supposed to go. So he's going to be an American citizen. He's not yet because the embassy hasn't opened for the last nine months in Mexico City. Um, and my parents are older, so they haven't been able to travel. They have not met their grandson yet. But we send videos every single day and we talk every Sunday for two hours, right? Maybe it's not the same thing, but it's not as it's not big nothing. a deal. It's yeah. not nothing. And if you're looking closer to home, like Costa Rica and Mexico, it's a short flight. That's yeah. that's my point. I mean, you know, it's easier for me to fly to Boston from here than it was when I lived in California. I mean, it was more expensive for me to get from California to Boston. I always have to do a connection and all the rest of it than it is from Mexico City to Boston. They're direct flights. Mm. You get it for like 400 bucks round trip, right? So I get on a plane five hours. I'm, you know, I have, yeah, that's it. That's it. So I get on a plane here. I have breakfast in Mexico and I'll have a late lunch in Boston. It's not that big a deal. I mean, it is, it's not like, oh my goodness, you guys are so far away. Now, if you start talking New Zealand, even the Philippines, yeah, those are 20, yeah. 30 hour flights. Um, but Mexico specifically, one reason I like it, reason it's the number one place for retirees, you know, there's like 200,000 American retirees living in Mexico. Um, it's exactly that. You can get, you know, either Baja, California, you know, you're literally a 45 minute flight from the United States from here. I'm an hour and a half flight from Dallas. Um, mm -hmm. It's just very easy for me to get back to the U.S. from where I'm at. And the time zone difference, it's not like, oh, you know, I got a call in the morning and you got to be awake at night or something like that. No, there's a one or two hour time difference, depending on where, the, where you are in the U.S. It's a, it's a non-issue. Yeah, it's a lot. Bob, you seem fun. to be like, like thinking about this right now. You're like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm quitting my job. I kind of see. I'm, I'm kind of imagining being in his car right now with that background. He's driving to the airport, buying his plane tickets already. Yeah, right. right? <laughs> <laughs> it, it 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 all makes it all makes it it clicks with me. I understand it completely. It it, it makes perfect sense. Um, yeah, I have you have you actually do you have real life. Um, examples of helping people do this? Or is this even a passion for you? Are you actually going out of your way to help people develop this strategy? Or are you just telling us about the strategy you use for your real passions with whatever business endeavors? So, inspiration. So I'm telling you guys about, the, so, you know, I'm much of a, I'm not much of a teacher. I'll, I'll tell you, on, ironic, since I'm married to a teacher, my parents are teachers, um, you know, but I, I'm apparently not a very good one. I didn't actually realize that there was an interest in this until recently. Um, you know, I, one, I thought everybody knew it. It's one of those things when you do something long enough, you just assume it's, it's common knowledge. Mm -hmm. uh, my general network and my friends are all digital nomads. So within that, if I told, if I told them that, they were like, well, yeah, duh. All right. I mean, because that's what all of them have done. But then you have to realize it's like if all your friends are fit, you don't realize their people aren't fit out there. Or if all your friends are overweight, you don't realize how other people live. It's only when I've started appearing on these podcasts that I've realized this is something that people might actually be interested in pursuing. Mm -hmm. It's not something I've had the time to put into actual coaching or anything like that yet, even though I have had people ask. Um, 
but it is maybe something I'd like to do in the middle to near future. I mean, you yeah, know, within I, the next year or two. I don't know. It, the, the the idea of moving to a different country because it's cheaper isn't anything new. And the idea of, of retiring in a new country and seeing That's your cheaper. retirement account go farther is nothing new. But I think with younger people who there's this there's this sort of generational thing that's happening where where younger people are taking a step back seeing the corporate world and then seeing the, you know the corporate world is on one hand and then the internet is on the other and there's this sort of societal realization that the internet has opened up doors that the corporate world can't and or or they're just different doors completely and so i can i see the the major appeal to younger people at the college level that now can start this at a very young age and make numerous mistakes and fail countless times and still come out significantly higher than someone who just buckled down, went to school, got the job and did it that way. And I was supposed to do, right? That's what I think yeah. all of us were, were told to do. That's it's what, what our parents did. did before us, right? Exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm in my mid thirties and so I'm kind of right in that period where I did, I, I, went to school. I have a corporate job. I've, that's where I am. And, and I was, I did that right after now. college until I had, I walked, until I saw that commercial, I was on that path as well. Yeah. And I'm probably only about four or five years older than you are. So we're, we're in the same generation, right? right? Yeah. Listen to Metallica when you were a kid, because that, that definitely, you know, that, <laughs> that, that means, yeah, we're in the same generation. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, the, but the major thing that sticks out to me, the thing that seems to be the hardest is the, understanding that you don't need money to do this right and that's so that's where it's i'm almost taken back i understand your process i understand how you do it but for a lot of people to say that you can do this with a hundred dollars and turn it into a six-figure business where you could potentially make now multi-sevens right mm-hmm. right that it, it it's kind of overwhelming to think about it and how you can grow this well it goes against everything that we as Americans, for the right. most part, are <laughs> learning. Right. Hey, that's what I, the mar- the marketers don't say that it takes thirty days <laughs> to make your million dollar business, right? I mean, oh, that's yeah. What, yeah. Well, and you don't have a teacher in school in traditional schooling in the United States. There's not going to be a single teacher that's going to say if you do this for a hundred dollars, you could potentially grow it into this significantly large salary, relatively speaking, even for the United States. No one's teaching that anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think I I do want to caveat because I don't think. Like, let's say, for example, that every single person in the United States is doing this right now and they all moved out of the country and then Europeans came to America and decided to do it because they wanted to live in the United States instead of America or instead of Europe. I don't think everyone can do it, right? We don't have, not every single job in the world is able to be fully online and there are jobs that have to be done physically in person. So I think this is going to attract a specific type of person that wants to do it. And a lot of people will fail at doing it. And Absolutely. not everyone's going to get into the six-figure margin even. It might be that you're living off of 800 a month in Mexico for several years. And if you enjoy that, that's... I was. So one of the things I want to clarify here is... So one of the questions that I've been asked a lot is, why don't you write a book about it? Um, Bob, not specifically about this method, but you know, just about the process I have for building businesses. And my answer is because if I wrote a book, it'd be called Seven Years to Seven Figures. It took us seven years to build a seven-figure online business. And nobody would buy it because nobody wants to hear that it took, you have to work hard for seven years to achieve something. 
Yeah. Um, but that's it took the us culture five we years. live in. That is absolutely right. It took my wife and I four to five years to make more money than we would have been getting a job in the United States. I'm a computer engineer. She's a bilingual teacher. We would have been well into the six figures between the both of us. Easily. Right? It took okay. us five years to get past that. To make more than that in our own business. It wasn't overnight. The $800 you mentioned, first two or three years, we were probably making about $1,000 a month while we were working in this. I mean, it took us two or three years to get break, break through that. This mm -hmm. is not a quick fix solution I'm giving everybody, right? Even that consulting to make 1000 you might spend a year to do that, maybe two years before you can go overseas. And you might spend three years overseas to make the $5,000. Yeah. I think you can, but you, it's, it's a time thing. The, the whole, I guess to put it into terms, which Bob and I have talked about, offline in our own respective lives, but it's delayed gratification. The process of building something that takes years to give you what you want, but in the in the first few years, you're not hurting, you're just building something and then it becomes yeah, easier. Yeah. I think my wife and I take this uh, mentality with almost everything in life where we front load as much work as we can so that it's easier later on. Mm -hmm. And that goes from simple things to complex things like retirement. And nobody, I, I don't, I don't want to say nobody because I can't generalize the entire population of the United States, but there is a sense of, and a yearn for quick fixes between becoming a millionaire overnight to losing 30 pounds in a month. It's just not possible. And the okay. results you it's a mindset change that needs to happen not oh i'm going to do this and it's going to fix it and then i can go back to doing what i was doing it goes yeah. against human nature to think that way though so so first thing i heard an interesting quote that's kind of applicable well that's very applicable to this um anybody can make it but not everybody can make it i don't know if any either of you have ever heard i that haven't quote, I, like I like it though. It. yeah and and the other thing so this delayed gratification i think goes against human nature and you sort of need to really work towards getting past that and i for, I, I read that, that it ties back to the sort of evolution of our species where all you really need to worry about as a, as a human, a primitive human being, was survival and the is next the day. Right. And yeah. the, um, what you're doing in that moment and how that can help you just make it, in, make it to tomorrow. But I think and, I, want, I want to talk about that for a second because evolutionarily sure. speaking, yeah, we did, we did think that way and we did do that because that was part of our biology. We needed to eat a lot of food whenever we found it because we didn't know when our next meal was. But we also have developed a complex brain that can think logically. And we understand that aspect of our bio biological evolution and can overcome it. Nature versus uh, nurture. Well, that's what, that. But I also, one thing I'd like to add to that is that I think we have less control over our, the conscious part of our brain than we think we do, right? That lizard mm -hmm. brain has much more control over us than we realize, right? And they say that, what is it? When we look at things, we process like 10% or 20% yeah. of what we're seeing, but like yeah. the other 80% is just kind of being filtered out by yeah. that lizard brain. That applies to all these other things in life. You're right, the yeah. delayed gratification is very hard. The marshmallow test, right? If you guys have all seen yes. the videos of the kids with the marshmallows, I would have yeah. bombed it as a kid. Bombed. <laughs> but I, you can train yourself out of it. Uh, yes. One of the things that I think has worked really well for me for my business life is... I started martial arts about 22 years ago. Um, and I studied this martial art called Kendo, which is Japanese fencing, mm. in which there are only four attacks. There are no defense, no forms, nothing. There are four attacks you do, and that's it. And you spend your entire Kendo career, whatever you want to call it, practicing 
those four things. So I have these four swings. I have practiced millions and millions of times. And I think that kind of teaches you business is the same way. Every day you're kind of trying to improve microscopically, right? And you're never done. You're never perfect. You're never kind of where you want to be in the, the, the Uber entrepreneur, right? That knows everything about everything that never happens. Yeah. Um, but if you're able to kind of get into the mentality where you're able to do this kind of thing repetitively every single day and have the discipline to do it, then entrepreneurship and success, I think, is much easier for you to reach. You, you both alluded to it. Not everybody's going to succeed. I don't think entrepreneurship is for everybody. I'll be honest. It's a very trendy thing these days. Everybody's like, yeah, be an entrepreneur. No, no, no. Um, it's probably much more stressful than having your nine to five job because in nine to five job, at least we have the illusion of having safety, um, which may or may not be true. But you're like, hey, I got a paycheck every two weeks. That's great. Um, you're an entrepreneur, no guarantee. Yeah. And that's what we we actually talked about that earlier today about why people travel and what it is about travel that gives people more experience and more insight and w provides more self-reflection and just reflection on life in general. And it's that it's that separation from routine. Whereas when we have the nine to five, our routine is filtering out 90% of what we're doing because it's automated. We're, we're comfortable with it. It is known when we travel, everything is new mm -hmm. and your brain is now processing almost everything you see. And that is what makes you think about your environment more. It makes you look at things differently. It makes you smell things differently. It makes you think about everything in a new way. But that'll pass. Um, when I was in the Peace Corps, so one of the things that they trained us on, there are three stages of living in another country. They don't phrase it in the Peace Corps as travel because it's a two to three year commitment, right? So the first phase is, wow, everything's cool, right? Everything's novel and cool. The next phase is, wow, that's annoying because then you start <laughs> noticing the things like that doesn't work the way I'm used to. That's not the way things should work. Or, you know, back in my country, that's not the way we do things. And then the third phase is acceptance. So you're like, okay, you accept the way things are, but it's not actually a line. It's a circle because then you go back into, oh, things are quaint. Once you've accepted it for a little while, you see something else and that's quaint. You go back into that. Then you go back and oh, that's annoying. And then you go back into, oh, okay, that's just the way things are. And that's the way you live in other countries. That's mm -hmm. not something you're going to experience in the US. So if somebody's looking to become a location independent, to live the location independent lifestyle, they shouldn't think it's going to feel like I'm on vacation all yeah. the time, right? Because yeah. first it two won't. weeks in a new country is like, wow, that's amazing. And then they're going to say, yeah, they're going to make you, I don't know, pay this extra thing on your rent. And you're like, oh, or the electric bill comes in too high and you can't read the electric bill. You're like, this is annoying. You know, why do they do that here? <laughs> And then you're like, eh, it's just the way it is. And then you can, you know, it'll just keep on doing that. So kind of prepare yourself for that. Mm -hmm. It's one reason why I like that whole try it out for at least a few months, not a few weeks, because a few weeks is not enough time to get past the, the romance phase. Yeah. You need to kind of get into the I'm living their phase, find the annoying stuff, and then decide is this something that I can put up with in the, you know, in a medium to long term. Yeah. I think one of the, anybody listening to this right now, if you have done a, a study abroad, you understand exactly because most study abroads, at least if they're done right, you have four days of work and then you're either staying with a host family or you're living in an apartment with yourself or another study abroad student. And you've got four months to figure this out. And then on the weekends, you either stay and explore the town you're living in or you go explore some other place. And that, to me, is a really healthy balance of work and play when you're traveling. 
Absolutely. We actually, the first business that I launched with my wife is, was a chain of language schools in Mexico. I kind of alluded to that earlier. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what we did. What people did, it was, we taught foreigners who'd come from other countries. They would come to Mexico. We would place them with Mexican families. You'd come from a little, as a week, there's a few months. And we would teach you Spanish lessons during the day. You would live with a family at night. We'd have some kind of cultural activities around that. And that is really to get you the experience of living in that country, right? Because yeah. you not only see what's on the street, you see what the families, like what Mexican families do in their free time. How do they eat? Yep. What do they do? You know, they eat at different times here. That took me a while. I, I still eat American hours. I'm not having lunch at four o'clock in the afternoon. I'm sorry. I can't wait that long. <laughs> um, but, you know, those are the kind of things you experience. And when you learn the country, restaurants don't open till two here for lunch. So if you're like a 1230 lunch eater, <laughs> bring a snack. Yeah, exactly. Bring a snack, but you're not going to make it. It's, it's actually funny. I'm, this is, oh, you can't even see it because of the green screen. Here, put it in front of me. So this is one of the, the glass that I received after my study abroad in Germany. And I still use it to this day. And it's a nice memento. You take much better st- care of your stuff than I do because I don't think anything would have la- of mine lasted from college. I have an old fraternity t-shirt and it's like so faded, you can't even tell what fraternity I was in. So yeah, <laughs> it's totally gone. Yeah. Well, Ray, I, I, Bob, do you have anything else that you want to ask? Uh, yeah, I have a mil- I have a million questions that I want to ask. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. If we have, <laughs> I don't know if we have the time. No, I, uh, um, I loved this conversation. I found it to be incredibly insightful and uh, very motivational. Very motivational. Yeah, but unfortunately, we're going to have to round it out. I think you're going to come back on, but awesome. before we close it today, <laughs> we have a rapid fire round. Oh, no. Yep. Oh, wait, wait. You guys can see in the video, my coffee just arrived. Let me just get a few sips of that. This is- <laughs> you're going to need it. You're gonna need I it. mentioned it before. I have a one-year-old. My nightly sleep is not what it used to be, so the mind will be a little slow. Oh, so, you, yeah, I, you're. I, it's what, five o'clock? Yeah, the time's fine. But, you know, when you have a baby waking you up, I think I saw no, on Facebook, Bob, saying. you have kids as well. So you know exactly what it's like. Yeah, you're oh, my not going, all your cylinders aren't quite firing, right? So uh, yeah. My two-year-old is going through a phase where she's waking up like multiple times a night just because, just because, you know, yeah. the other day she woke up, it was 2.30 in the morning. I'm done with my bedroom. No, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> so, Ours can't quite talk yet. He said, our, our son said her, his first word like two weeks ago. So he's going to be one in about a week. But it's the name of our dog, so that's not very useful for communicating, unfortunately. So she, he can't explain to us that he's done with sleep yet. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. He just kind of wakes up and goes, meh, meh. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. Like, so we have to go and talk to him. Oh, Ray, before we get into the rapid fire, I did want sure. to ask, when is your son's birthday? My son's birthday is on the 13th, so three days Ooh, from now. Okay. Yeah, right. nice. I turn 30 tomorrow. Oh, you're the youngin in this group then. Yeah, there you go. Well, congratulations. Welcome to the third deck, the third floor, as they call it in Mexico. Yes. You're, you're on the third floor. <laughs> Thank you. I, I did not do anything for it since I can't do anything. I just uh-huh. sat around the house and played some video games and that's ate good food. Hey, you know, that's, that's what I'm doing after we get off this call. I'm, you know, yeah, yeah, I'll exactly. be playing some video games, so it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Bob. All right. Why don't you get it started? All right, Ray. What Uh-oh. is the first word that comes to your mind when you hear the word travel? Food. Yeah. What home comfort do you miss the most while traveling? Cheddar cheese, sharp. <laughs> if, you so could, if you could swim in any liquid, what would it be? Oh, that's a good one. Cheddar cheese, sharp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was on a cheese fondue, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't really know. Oh. Lemonade. I like oh, me some lemonade. 
Nice. Could be painful, right? Depending. You need to be yeah, don't. Make sure I, I wouldn't you don't be there for cuts. very long, but I'd yeah. just be yeah. swimming, yeah. you know, right. a few laps. Yeah. All right. You may have some insight into this. Who would win in a fight, an accountant or a banker? Well, a banker. That was a quick answer. That's the... And very confident. Yeah. 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 Why? <laughs> Bankers have more money. They pay for personal trainers. Accountants just sit and, you know, do numbers all day. Okay. Same logic. I all right. All right. Now, now, if there are any accountants listening to this, you'll have to... You have to defend yourself. Mm, of course. Against the banker. <laughs> a, vi- a video fight for everybody to watch right on YouTube, right? <laughs> Where am I? Oh, it's a, okay. Would you rather drink wine or coffee every day for the rest of your life? I got a cup of coffee in my hand right now. Coffee you it is. You seem like a coffee yeah, guy. Yeah, coffee, yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah. I can't live without this stuff. Yeah. Uh, say hello in your favorite language. Gunaydan. Uh, what is that? Turkish. Turkish. Nice. It's my first language, technically. English is my third. If What's you your could tra- Tagalog. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. If you could travel with anyone in the world, living or dead, who would it be? Living Sir Richard Branson. Really? Going to space? Yeah. Yeah, he's going to space, going to his island, learning how he runs multiple billion-dollar businesses. Mm. I think that'd be a blast. I wouldn't understand half of what he told me, but I'd still enjoy it. <laughs> that'd be an interesting one. Mm-hmm. I like that answer. Uh, what is one item remaining on your bucket list? Oh, um, hiking in Tibet. Very, very good one. If you could pick an actor to play you in a movie, who would you choose? Oh, I can't remember his name, but he was in the Young Guns movie. And he was the Latino guy with the long hair and he had the knife. Um, oh, what's his name? It's not, is it um, Danny Trejo? No, no, no. That, that, that's the guy with the machete who goes around. Yeah. Uh, this is a little older, but I can't remember. When I was a young kid, I'm like, okay. Because I look Filipino and Latino, right? And there were very few actors that I could look at when I was a kid, right? Because they were all like, you know, blonde, blue-eyed and all the rest of it. I saw that guy and I'm like, okay, there's somebody who looks like me. I can't remember his name though. Um, but he was oh. like famous in the 80s and the 90s. Emilio Estevez? That might have been him. Yeah. That might have been him. I think... Oh wait, no. The Emilio Estevez is Charlie Sheen's brother and Martin no. Sheen's son. Let me see. I, I, Young. Guns I am curious though. Actors. Is it Lou Diamond? <laughs> I love how Lou Diamond. There he is. Lou yeah, he looks, wow, All he right. looks a lot older now. Yeah, but, but back this that was like thirty years ago. But yeah, Lou yeah. Diamond Phillips. Yeah. Lou Diamond. All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, if you oh oh wait nope sorry, Whew, I almost blew that one. <laughs> if you were stuck in one city for the rest of your life, which city would you choose? I'd like to go back to Istanbul where I grew up. Okay. If you owned a yacht, what would you name it? Oh, that's a really good question. And we talked about I had a podcast before, and I think I actually asked this question in my pop quiz at the end of it once, but I never actually thought of the answer for myself. What would I name my yacht? Yeah, I've never thought of this. (laughs) (laughs) Actually. I really have... Wow, you guys stumped me on this one. I'm usually really good at these things. I was like, okay. Oh, Prometheus. All right. I like like that answer. Why Prometheus, though, for a yacht? Uh, Well, actually, the only reason is... Okay, I'm a bit of a geek. You guys can see, you know, all the geek stuff behind me. And I've I've been writing short stories about science fiction, and it's the name of the starship that I have in that. And I always thought it was a cool name. 
no, I, yeah, I love the name. I think it's awesome. Bringer of Fire I, and all that yes. kind of stuff. Yeah. I yeah. really enjoyed the Prometheus movie in the Alien yeah. series. I know that got a, a lot of bad reviews, but it I was really, decent. I, yeah, I, I think it, it. I think it's because we all went into it expecting it to be so bad, and when it was like okay, we were like, oh, oh I like how it tied so it tied the universe together really. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, and then the last question: What is one piece of advice you'd give to yourself ten years ago? Focus. Focus. That's subtle. Mm. So that's like a, I don't know if you're familiar with the Great British Bake Off. My wife loves it. I've seen a few episodes through osmosis of having to be in the same room. Yes, my <laughs> wife also loves it. We actually, uh, funny story. This year, since we couldn't really do much outside the house, uh, my wife and I and another friend did a Great British Bake Off fantasy draft. <laughs> i don't even know how you would score that kind of thing but okay <laughs> but the, your your answer reminds me of one of the technical challenges where they only give like one hint and that is focus yeah for entrepreneurship we all have the shiny shiny object syndrome really bad um, especially once your skill set builds up in entrepreneurship you're stuck in this weird position where you can do a lot of things which is great but it also means you can do a lot of things yeah. instead of the stuff you're supposed to be doing. And yeah. that's why focus. And I, I was guilty of that at least one or two phases in my career where I was, you know, tried just doing too much instead of focusing on my main businesses. And I really wish I had because I think they'd be at the next level if I did. Hmm. That's good. So can I, can I ask you one unrelated question? Who sure. are your mentors, mentors in the media realm? Do you, is, are you a Tim Ferriss guy, Gary V? Do you have anybody that if you were to recommend uh an outlet for see i'll be honest with you guys so when i started in business was about 13 years ago one this was before gary v and tim ferris were well known i think four hour work week was written about 10 years ago so about two or two years i got into it but i didn't read it until about four or five years into my entrepreneurship journey mm -hmm. um and believe it or not i'm an introvert so I didn't go to conferences and now I speak at conferences, but I mean, that's me getting way out of my comfort zone, but <laughs> I didn't do any of that stuff. And I kind of taught myself and I never really had a mentor that I looked up to or that I followed in order to build my businesses. Because back when I was doing it, there weren't these things. It was just you stumbling around, figuring it all out. By the time they came around, I was just like, yeah, I've been doing that for like five or six years. Like, you know, Gary fees like repurposing content. I didn't realize that was a thing he promoted and to, people were promoting. I thought, again, everybody did, doesn't everybody do that? I've been doing that for like 12 years. I'm sure there are plenty of other entrepreneurs out there who've been doing it for 12 years too, until Gary Vee kind of packaged it and right. shared it with the world. So unfortunately, I can't give you a good answer for that because, for example, Tim Ferriss, I love his book. That was kind of life-changing, kind of that was when I started hiring the VAs. But, you know, his podcast, for example, gets on a little too esoteric for me. I... If I'm listening to podcasts, I either want to be inspired or I want some practical information out of it mm -hmm. within the business realm, right? Within travel, yep. within NPR, it's different things. Um, and a lot of these podcasts are either geared towards people who are a little earlier in their journey or they just kind of on the flip side, if they are even at my level, they just give like every episode is a new idea. And that takes away from the focus I just talked to you guys about because I'm like, ooh, that guy just used Facebook ad, this new thing on Facebook ads to grow their business. I should do that. The next week I listen to another one, I'm like, ooh, I should do that. And I totally forget <laughs> about the Facebook ads. I should be focusing on from the week before. So I've actually tried to kind of cut back on my business-related podcasts, and I try to do podcasts that grow my mind. Again, travel, um, 
I do a lot of audio books. I just listen to Neil deGrasse Tyson's Astrophysics for people with mm. with no time or something like that. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's just yeah, it's a good book. It is exactly, but it's got nothing to do with the business. But sometimes you pick up ideas from these unexpected places, and I find that that's more that grows my mind, but it doesn't distract me. Well, uh, that's yeah. Thank you. And <laughs> before you go, though, yes. let's let's hear your social media. Where can people follow you? Learn more about your business endeavors. Just everything, everything you. Okay. Well, um, until recently, I wasn't very active on social media, but I, some PR person told me I should start doing it. Um, I'm not as active as I should be because I can't think of smart things to say every day on Twitter. Um, so <laughs> Trust me, other you, people don't. Example, they still seem to put out a lot of content on there. So easiest way that I tell people is if you want to get in touch with me directly, you go to rayblakeney.com. It's my own personal website, R-A-Y-B-L-A-K-N-E-Y.com. You can find me there. There's links to all of my social media accounts. Add me on Facebook, Twitter, um, and LinkedIn. Those are primarily the places that I'm active. I'm not so much uh, Pinterest, uh, Instagram, not so much. I don't look very good in a bikini, so I don't think I'd get too many followers <laughs> um, on either bikini? one. I didn't even know those things existed. I'll have to look onto it. So I might be the next big star. Otherwise, you can, fo- you can follow me in my businesses. That's kind of where I'm most active. So you can find me at LiveLingua.com, which is my biggest business. We're the third largest online language school in the world. L-I-V-E-L-I-N-G-U-A.com. Um, my new venture called podcasttalk.com. It's a SaaS product, software as a service, which will help you get booked on podcasts on autopilot. You know, it's not a agency or anything like that. We take care of everything for you. It's automated search engine software in the background, AI. Um, we'll do all that for you. That's launching right around when this podcast is, we're recording it, or it'll probably be launched by the time it goes live. So yes, you will. guys can go and check that out. Or the final one is my new toilet paper store called howmuchtoiletpaper.com. You can find me there. We sell everything you need for a smart toilet. You know, smart, right. smart bidet, smart mirrors, smart scales, all that kind of stuff. We got it. Love it. Nice. Love it. Thank you, Ray. Thank, for you, thank you for your time today. Really appreciate it. My pleasure, guys. It was a blast. Are we going to start a company? I guess, I guess we kind of did. We did, yeah. <laughs> we have a lot going on, don't we? We, we like to start things together. Um, incredibly motivational. And something that I want to really nail home is when you talk to someone like Ray who has this, he's already done it and he's preaching from the top, it can kind of come off as overwhelming to, to a degree to someone who hasn't started out at all. But something I want to consider is everything that you think you have to do can be broken down into 10 steps. And then those 10 steps can be broken down into 20 steps. (laughs) And you can break these things down. And and honestly, this is the best way to do it. If you break it down and you you need to figure out what the mins are. Ellie, do you know what mins are? Like the minimum steps required? The most important next step. That's priority. And as long as you can figure out what your min is, what your most important next step is, and you do that, you will eventually achieve your goal. It is much easier to take little steps than to take one giant step. A hundred percent. So, you know, because these people, we've talked to guys like this and people have come on the podcast and you read about people that have done these crazy things and they're making all this money. Don't get overwhelmed. You can do it. It's just a matter of breaking it down to the point that you feel comfortable getting these things done. And if you do it a little bit at a time, a few hours a week, you'll get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So thank you for listening. And if you love the show, as we've said in the beginning, you can support us through leaving us a review on whichever podcast platform you listen on. Subscribe to us on YouTube or a podcast platform if you aren't already subscribed. 
and reach out to us if you have any questions or suggestions on shows or criticisms of the show or want a new topic. And lastly, if you want to support us financially, you can do so through our Patreon page, which is available. You can access it through our website and you can donate as little as a dollar a month to help us host the show, upgrade our podcasting equipment and just do things and reach out to guests a little bit more efficiently. And we, you literally are our biggest advocate. So thank you for listening to the show. Share us with your friends, share us with your family and stay safe, stay healthy and tune in next week.